This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Friday, March the 15th. I'm your host, D.A., and we creep closer to Selection Sunday. Coming up in a couple of days, by the end of the weekend, we'll have our field of 68, the NCAA March Madness bracket for 2019. But before we get there, we've got major conference tournament action, including the ACC where last night Zion Williamson returned for the Duke Blue Devils and blew the lid off of the ACC tournament. Duke 84, Syracuse 72. The Blue Devils move on to take on UNC in their next game. But nothing brought down the house and nothing brought in the attention like Zion. The return of the chosen one means a perfect night from the field, 13 for 13, for 29 points, 14 rebounds, and a series of jaw-dropping alley-oop jams and breakaway dunks. So Zion's back after the knee injury, and now what do we have? We've got Duke as a contender, but the question is, Should Zion be risking coming back after the injury? Some people said his draft stock was already locked into the number one pick in the NBA draft. Why bother? We begin with Mully and Haw on the score in Chicago, and they're joined by college basketball insider Michael DeCourcy. Enjoying your Twitter exchanges in response to Zion Williamson returning last night and going 13-13 in Duke's victory, 29 points dominant performance and justification for all of those like yourself who thought that's where he belongs back on the basketball court. Yeah, exactly. I, I think these are the kinds of people who would walk into the museum of modern art in New York and would see uh, Van Gogh's starry night and would say, I wonder how much that is worth. I think that's what they would, you know, they wouldn't look at the painting and see how dazzling it is. They would say, I wonder how much that is worth. It, 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 you just, at some point, it's not about just money. It, the, the, what, the point of the tweet that I sent out, which was to say, I wonder what all of the geniuses who said that he should shut it down thought of that, uh, you know, or thinking after that performance. And the point is, the performance itself is the point, that he would go out and play like that. It's not, can he get higher on the draft board? It, 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 you know, life isn't just about that. It, sports aren't just about that. And you know what? His, his passion on the court, Mike, is infectious. I mean, you can just see where, and, and rarely do you see an athlete raise the level of the play of his teammates. I mean, we've seen it. We saw it here in Chicago with Michael Jordan. You see it when you watch Duke with a guy like Zion Williamson, and that's why there were those who said, listen, with Williamson back, they're a favorite to win the NCAA tournament. Without him, they could lose 
you know, second, third round. Does this make Duke the favorite to win the NCAA tournament? It does. Uh, not a not a prohibitive favorite, but a but a favorite uh, and a fairly clear favorite. There's no team in college basketball. There's some terrific teams, and I. I someone asked me last night, uh, and and there's and there's an interesting. Um, twist to this. Someone asked me last night if this Duke team is better than the 2015 Kentucky team. And I don't think there's any question that the 2015 Kentucky team was better. But remember, the 2015 Kentucky team didn't win it because the field was great and, and it's a very narrow uh, the, the, the fine line between winning a championship in college basketball and, and not is, is you know, one bad decision uh, one bad half, and and you go home, and that's what happened to, the, to UK in 2015. As terrific as they were, they won 38 in a row, and then they and then they met a terrific Wisconsin team. And the, you know that's the other thing about uh, 2015 was that the field, the, the next three four teams were so good, and I, I think there's some there are a lot of teams that could beat Duke, but they're not at the level that 2015 other teams were. I totally understand where people are coming from when they say that Zion should not have risk coming back. He's the number one pick in the NBA draft no matter what happens the rest of the way. So why risk it? But if Zion wants to come back and he wants to play for Duke and he wants that magic of playing in the NCAA tournament, more power to him. But to assume he has to or he should come back for our entertainment is kind of missing the point in my mind. Either way, the Duke Blue Devils, with that guy on the floor, are totally different. They go from a good team to a great team with Zion on the floor. Let's listen into the Mac attack in the heart of Tobacco Road and ACC country on WFNZ as former Charlotte coach Bobby Lutz joins in on the show. This matchup tonight with Carolina and Duke is just a blast. It's just going to be so much fun to witness and be a part of tonight. What do you think? First of all, what did you think of Zion coming back last night the way he did? I I mean, I was saying stuff that sounds so dumb now in hindsight, Coach, about possible rust. I mean, he came back like he had never left. It's un- How much of a difference does he make, and in how many areas does he make a difference against Carolina tonight, his presence? Yeah, it, it, it's... Uh... It's really hard to to put into words how much of a difference he makes because it's tangible and, and intangible. I mean, his presence on the floor is very real, uh, but then then just he plays with such passion, and it, I just think it 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 it, it helps his teammates, and it's got to put a little fear into his opponents, just a little bit, just just the way he plays, how hard he plays, and he's so efficient. So, you know. I, I was I was surprised as well. Uh, you know, I, I thought he would play you know good. I had no idea how good he would be able to play after that that much of a break. And uh, you know, but I, I I will not underestimate him again. So he he, you know, when when the curmudgeon Jim Beheim says he's unlike anybody he's ever seen, you know that he's definitely a legitimate special player. <laughs> what do you think about? Okay, so tonight's matchup. The presence of Zion. I do think, though, the guys around Zion need to be better than they were last night in order to win this game tonight against the Heels. What do you think about this matchup uh, now that the Duke has Zion back? And and uh, what do you think is different specifically in a matchup Tar Heels and Duke? 
Well, well, as good as I was and as good as Duke is, I still think Carolina wins the game tonight. I, I just think they're playing at an incredibly high level. You know, I, I've said it for, you know, I didn't need analytics to tell me 25 years ago, you just, it's, you better be special if you want to run with North Carolina. And, you know, Syracuse, I mean, uh, uh, you know, they weren't trying to run with them. No. Uh, Louisville wasn't really trying, but they get the ball in so fast. The pace is going to be phenomenal. Carolina's shooting the ball in, incredibly well. And, and, and Duke, like you said, Zion backs obviously, a hundred percent positive, uh, but Reddish really didn't have the flow that he's had. Uh, you know, some games without him, it just it takes a little while. And the, the, to me, the only way Duke wins is if Trey Jones shoots the ball better. I mean, you got he, you need him to shoot the ball better. He's he's got to make some shots. Yeah. Because uh, he's going to get open shots, and so I mean, obviously Duke can win. You know, and it, it, it'll be a it, it could be one of the greatest games that's ever been played in the ACC tournament. It really could. Yeah, but but I I just think North Carolina is playing, and I know they you know, it's hard to beat a good team three times. I understand that. I just like the way North Carolina is uh, playing, which probably means Duke wins by twenty. Since I think North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, do you think that tonight's game has any impact on the next couple weeks? Because only three ACC tournament champions have won the NCAA championship since nineteen ninety two. So, do you think that this that the the momentum carries over, or do you think this is that not not that huge ultimately for the rest of the uh, March? You know, it's 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 an unmeasurable uh, phenomenon. I think is is trying to figure that out. Uh, it is such an emotional, you know, to win the ACC tournament or any conference tournament, it, it takes a little bit out of you, uh, you know, emotionally uh, because it's 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 exciting. You know, it's, it's something that you point toward and you 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 want to win it. Obviously, the NCAA tournament for North Carolina and Duke, Virginia, that, that's the most important thing. They want to win the national championship because they, you know, deservedly know that they can. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I think it just varies from year to year. Some teams win and the momentum carries them forward. Other teams win and, and don't play quite as well. And, and you know, so I don't think that's as important as the moment is just today and tomorrow, you know, just the, the, the tournament. I think, well, I shouldn't say it's not important, but I think it's hard to predict, you know, how that happens. Yeah. I think for, for Duke, it's, it's more important for Duke, in my opinion, to win and get to play another game. Just, just to get to play together again before they go into the tournament. Uh, you know, North Carolina, I think, is going to be fine regardless of what happens. Look, there's no doubt that when Zion is on the floor, Duke is a totally different team, and they already have great talent. But we've seen what he is. He's the best player in America who makes plays in huge spots against great competition. And when he's not on the floor, they don't look the part at all. So Zion back at 100% or near it, certainly looked like 100% last night, means that Duke once again becomes one of the elite teams in the big dance and a favorite to cut down the nets in a couple of weeks. NFL free agency is here, and the flurry of activity was impossible to ignore this week. And that included all pro safety for the New York Giants, just let go by Dave Gettleman in what amounts to be a purge of that roster. Everybody's looking at Odell Beckham being traded to the Cleveland Browns, but how about Landon Collins, who is arguably the best player on defense? He's now in the division with a rival in Washington. Grant and Danny caught up with Landon Collins on 106.7 The Fan, 
And for a young man who grew up idolizing Sean Taylor, pretty incredible for him to be walking in his shoes in Washington. But he's also surprised he's no longer with the Giants. Let's listen in. Thanks so much for the time. How does it feel to be joining the old division rival here in Washington? You're now a Redskin. It's an honor. I appreciate y'all having me on. Uh, honestly, it's a dream come true uh, just to be here, just to walk in the doors, just to walk in the doors that my idol has been to. It's unbelievable. It's a very emotional time for me. Um, just trying to really take it all in. I was at, I was chilling in my bed in Miami, and just knowing I got to sign or be a part of an organization like this is tremendous. Landon, are you surprised at how it ended in New York? I mean, it, a, a guy with your resume just sort of being allowed to walk away to a division rival uh, for you know, to see him twice a year and get some revenge, which will be delightful for myself and every other Redskins fan. Are you surprised at yeah, the way it we ended? we were sitting here saying, why wouldn't he have been franchise tag? How does a guy like that get to leave? Should we be worried about Is something? Because it, it shouldn't be happening. <laughs> you shouldn't be available, but thank goodness you are. Thank you. Uh, I was very surprised. Um, going through the process, it was something I was like, Am I going to be here? Am I not? And then after after kind of a couple of days going by, after the season went by, after the Super Bowl went by, I was like, I don't think I'm going to be here because we constantly didn't get any any information back, no kind of talks, anything like that. So we was like, I probably going probably going to hit the free agency. So I took it as an opportunity to be go somewhere and be somewhere that I was definitely needed. Wanted and somebody definitely is going to love me. Not saying that the Giants didn't love me, an organization didn't want me, or anything like that. It's just this didn't work out. Well, they didn't want you as much as the Redskins did, and that's why Landon Collins is now in Washington. So take us through how this played out. Before the draft, you publicly said, and back then, Redskins fans were all worked into a lather, that you wanted to play for the Skins. Obviously, you grew up idolizing Sean Taylor. So were they the first team to contact you on Monday during that legal tampering period? And how quickly did it get serious between you and them? Were they the only team at the end that really was, was vying for you? How did that all work? I have to ask my agent more about that. <laughs> I'm happy that they were the team coming to get me, and, uh, uh, and we worked out a deal to get here. And from that standpoint, it was amazing. Uh, it was plenty of teams. There was, I think, three other teams that was coming after me. And I remember I was talking to um, Ryan and, and John, and they was like, bro, we want you, and we're going to do whatever it takes to get me. And, they did, <laughs> and uh, now I'm here, and it's, 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 like I said, it's very emotional for me um, just being here. Ryan Anderson, John Allen, members of the defense who obviously played nice at connection. Alabama as the Redskins are trying to reunite a couple of the national championship teams from Alabama uh, in the NFL now. So that, that was good for the recruiting. Did you talk to Greg Minuski or Dan Snyder or Jay Gruden, or was it just your agent talking to Eric Schaefer and kind of the, the adult, so to speak, hammering out the, the money details? I honestly let the, the team handle, I mean, my team handle it. Uh, David talking to Mr. Snyder, and they handle business. So I kind of stayed out of it. I just kind of talking with my guys, John and Ryan and Sean, and uh, I was just talking to those guys and just seeing what happens. They were just telling me, they was filling my head up and stuff like that. I was like, we're going to see. We're going to see. <laughs> New Redskins safety, Landon Collins is with us. And Landon, I'm not just saying this because you're on with us. I said it when you became a free agent. Uh, I said it before you jumped on this segment. I think you're a baller. I think you're a star in this league, and you shouldn't be available, but thank goodness that you are. What do people have wrong about you when it comes to your abilities on the football field? I look at that 2016 season, and I say, if that's the ceiling, that guy should never be available. He should be signed for life. What do people have kind of a misconception about you and your game? 
my 2016 season is not the ceiling. I promise you that. I got way more to go. Uh, people don't understand that I can cover, but they see the plays that other tight ends are. Somebody catches that I was not my. It wasn't my job. I just on. I just happened to be in the area to make the tackle or make the play. <laughs> on top of that, so from that standpoint, I have to showcase something else again. And I love doing that. I love proving people wrong. I love showing that I am that guy. See, so here Washington did something that Washington does, and that's overspending. Nobody could argue that Landon Collins earned more money than he probably should have because Washington was desperate. They're led by Bruce Allen, who likes to spend money like a sailor for Dan Snyder, and Dan Snyder doesn't really have much of a direction for that franchise. So Collins got his, but the Giants would have been crazy to spend all that money on him. However... As we talked about yesterday, what is the plan for the New York Giants? Is this a complete teardown? Because if it is, why would you bring in guys like Golden Tate? Why would you keep Eli Manning on the roster? Why would you go into battle this year with a 38-year-old quarterback? It doesn't really make much sense right now, but for Collins, he stays in the division and has a chance to stick it to his old team twice a year. In baseball, rules changes rule the day. In the middle of spring training, Major League Baseball announces there will be changes to how the All-Star Game is elected, the home run derby. But coming next year, the minimum hitter rule. This is fascinating, where pitchers will be forced to face a minimum of three batters. So how does this hitter minimum rule change strategy in Major League Baseball? Let's listen into Joe and Evan, Joe Beningo and Evan Roberts on WFAN in New York. When you think about how many pitching changes it's actually going to cut down yeah. on, and pitching changes are not what makes baseball games longer. What makes baseball game lo- baseball games longer is you know pitchers taking too much time and batters taking too much time between pitches. So it's not going to shorten the game, and if it does, it's a minimal effect. Mm. So what's good about it? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it, it doesn't kill me. I'll say that it doesn't kill me. It doesn't. Care. Why doesn't it? It just doesn't. It changes the fabric of the game. Well, it, 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 you know what it does? It actually gives you, to me, almost more of a strategic thing in your mind about how you're going to use a guy if you only really want to use him for one batter. Do you know what I mean? No, you're, you're it right. Does, it does make it a little more strategic when you think about it. There's no question that it doesn't eliminate strategy. No. And no. oh, no. the DH no. eliminate. This does not do that. No. It, in fact, it changes the right. strategy. It almost makes it another strategic thing. Like I, I said, more strategy. You know what it would do? Right. Here's where, so, in general, batting lefties back-to-back or righties back-to-back to me is not that big of a deal. I would put more of an emphasis on not letting that happen anymore. Because why would I ever make it easy? For a team to go yeah. to a left-handed oh, yeah. reliever and face back-to-back lefties. Right. right. Now, I think managers have tried to split up lefties and righties to begin with. I don't think it's new, but I think it becomes even more imperative now to not have them hit back-to-back. Right, right. I, I just don't think it's – you're right that it changes the strategy. You're looking at innings differently. I agree. Yes. And I will get used to it. And it is what – I'm going to have to live with it. But I just don't see the purpose yeah. of it. And, and you know, uh, look – well, I mean, look, I mean, you're right. But if the guy doesn't get the lefty, doesn't get the guy out. I mean, it could be two outs in the inning and you want to bring the lefty in. in. Now he's got to stay in. Well, it puts more emphasis on getting a guy out, too. Well, I also think it may eliminate the lefty specialist. It could. It might. I mean, you have to be able to get righties out. Jerry Blevins, we hardly know. <laughs> <laughs> Where is Jerry Blevins, by the way? Uh, Oakland. Oakland. If okay. I'm not mistaken. Okay. It eliminate because if you're a lefty who cannot get a righty out, righties put incredible numbers right, against you. Right. How could a manager ever have the guts to use you? Yeah, no, I understand. Even if there's two outs, because if God forbid, Joe, you right. don't get that guy no, out, yeah, you're yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
The other thing is they're going to expand the active roster from 25 to 26. That's fine. And there's going to be a max on the amount of pitchers that can be on a roster. So That's it, not, I like that, too. That's actually pretty good. I, I No problem with that. No problem with that. And then in September, the roster's expanded 28, which, again, no problem with. Yeah, man, I mean, instead of having 40 guys on a team. Yeah, I like all of these things. Yeah, yeah. I just don't like the bet three batter minimum. Yeah, okay. You are changing something drastic in baseball. Let's you, face you it. That get, is a you may start change. liking it, though. You may like it. Maybe. Because, like I said, it's, it, 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 it's still it, – it's giving you an, a, another thing to think about and, you, you know, a strategic thing to think about. So I don't think it's terrible from that aspect. It, you know? it is. I will give you this because I am. It's fair. not like you know they're, they're going to play ten innings and now we're going to put a guy on second base. <laughs> no, that, well, you know that, that's that's a different story. There are things in life where I could say I will never like that. Right. I will never get used right. to it. Right. And there are things where yeah, is it possible that in 2025 when you're still doing the show with me ah. that I'm yes, going to say 2025? Yeah, 2025. It's a long way. Sign man. that big extension. Yeah, big. That I say, you know, Joe, <laughs> I got to admit, I like it. I, you're right. It's possible. I don't think it's likely. I just also, I don't think it. there's any reason for it. Yeah. It's not no, speeding I, up the game. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess so. Do you think uh, eliminating. I'll tell you one thing, though. I do not. I don't know how you feel. When I see these, like, you know, the guy making, a, like, four pitching changes in the inning, it does make you a little delirious. You bet one guy, okay, now I'm taking him out. I'm going to bring him in. And that kind of thing makes me nuts. The only bit. time it makes me delirious is when it's September and you can do it without any repercussion because you've got a million pitchers on your roster. There are repercussions if you do that in May. There's only a certain amount of pitchers you have on your roster. You're just going to burn through your bullpen. And if, God forbid, the game goes 15 innings, that's going to screw that team. See, I love this. And I think it will fasten the pace of the games. Because if you've got the specialization of one pitcher to one hitter, that is an entire pitching change for just perhaps three strikes three fastballs. Perhaps it's one pitch because the pitcher elicits some type of pop-up or ground out or fly out. And so for all of that action to come in to face one batter, sometimes one pitch, and then to take him out and do the whole thing over again, absolutely slows down the game. But more so, it creates more drama. And isn't that exactly why MLB is instituting any of these rules? At the end of football games, guys have to make a big play or kick a big-time field goal. At the end of baseball games, you're going to have to be put in more dramatic situations so that it encourages people to have to lock into the latter innings of games. I think this thing is a slam dunk, and I'll tell you why. Another reason it is going to be a good thing, because managers don't want it. Let's listen in to Ron Gardenhire, the manager of the Tigers. He joined 97-1, the ticket in Detroit. Does this takeaway strategy? You can already hear in his voice how disappointed he is that he's going to have to deal with this, and that means it's a win. I want to ask you about uh, the new rules that uh, they announced yesterday, how it affects you. Uh, I don't care about the home run derby, but like mound visits, uh, reduced from 6 to 5. Also, the trade deadline uh, is... July 31st, there won't be one in August 31st. And then next year, they have that a- active roster where you don't, you know, you won't have like 40 guys on the team in September, but it's up to 28. And then, of course, the minimum three batter for pitchers. What do you think of those rules? Well, I, I you know, most of them, and they tell you not to comment too much on them, but at three batters per pitcher, that takes away strategy. You don't take away strategy in football. You don't take away strategy in basketball. You know, uh, one-on-one situations, you get them matched up. And now all of a sudden they're telling us that 
I can't bring in a situational lefty, which is something that's really important in this game, to get a lefty out with two righties up next and then bring in a righty to face him. How can you take away the strategy of the game? They're taking away a chance that we might, honestly, putting a chance that we might lose a baseball game because i got to leave this lefty in if I put him in the game to face you know, right-handers too. Uh, and and I, I just don't like that part of it. Now, that's just me. That's just the way it is. I, I just don't think anything anybody should ever be able to take away the strategy of the game. Who, the rest of them are whatever. We'll see how they go. The mound visits, um, if it's mound visits by the manager or the pitching coach, five of them, I get it. But when a catcher goes out there and they just to talk with him and make sure they got the signs right, should that be a mound visit really? That's that's just the catcher getting getting on the same page. I get it. It should be just the manager or the pitching coach. Those are counted as mound visits, I think. Do, do you, when you talk to your fellow managers and people around the game, do they tend to agree with you? I mean, other than the people who want to speed up baseball, who wants this three batter system that they're going to put into place in a couple of well, years? Well, that's, that's kind of, you know, that's ownership and the general managers get together with, you know, baseball people and they all talk about it and they vote on things like this. And, you know, they're all trying to speed up. It's all about speeding up the pace of the game, but let's not take away the strategy of the game. It's, you know, it just, that's the kind of part that, kind of confuses me when they start doing that then you know what if they're managing a baseball team and all of a sudden they have to bring in a pitcher and no matter what he's got to face three batters and the first two hit home runs what are the fans going to be thinking that i'm still leaving that guy out there and he's giving up two home runs right. in a row that's not you want to you want to hear the fans yelling get him out of there and i can't because he's got to face three hitters i don't like that i'm just sorry i just don't like that i mean it makes a lot of sense so we were yeah. having this conversation the other day. Uh, you know, Miggy had the, uh, the the fake back to the mound. The hidden ball trick. The hidden ball trick, if you will, and got the guy off first, Adrian, Adrianza from the Twins. And uh, we, we were just kind of joking about it because it was classic Miggy kind of being playful out there. Somebody we work with suggested, Ron, and, and I want to say we vehemently disagreed with yes. this. Somebody we work with suggested that that was a violation of the quote-unquote unwritten rules of baseball. Now, if Miggy does that in a regular season game and gets a guy picked off first, that's, that's fair game, isn't it? Or is that against the quote-unquote unwritten rules of baseball? It's fair game anywhere. I mean, you as a base runner know you got to keep your hand on it or call timeout. Yeah. All the kid had to do was just hold up his hand and call timeout, and the rep- umpire would have held up his hands. Uh, that's, that's baseball. Bill Garner was one of the best at it. I mean, he would almost knock you off the base. And we've seen this forever when guys come up and guy fakes you out. And you know what? If it's a time limit, if he's holding the ball for five minutes trying to do it, <laughs> then I get it. But that was all in the pace. You, get, you guys understand, my son was coaching first base for the Twins at the time. <laughs> and he was standing right there and oh, didn't no. say a damn word. <laughs> so I got, to, I got to go spend the night with him at my house. And believe me, he took a lot of grief for not saying, back, stay on the back. So <laughs> yeah. I had a lot of fun with the whole thing. But no, don't take away those fun things of baseball. That's entertaining. Yeah, I agree. So we'll tell Tony he was totally wrong about that. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Think about it. A manager now has to deal with the idea that that pitcher could give up three home runs in a row and he has nothing he can do about it. That's perfect because it means more guys that are better in late game situations will be on rosters. And so that just grows a different level of pitcher in those types of scenarios versus specialization, left-handed relievers coming in for one batter, right-handed flamethrowers coming in for three pitches. I think the fact that managers hate it, like Ron Gardenhire, means it is the best change you could make to MLB's rules. Make them uncomfortable. That's what we're trying to do here for baseball. And I love baseball, 
but I think that is absolutely the right way to go. We'll wrap up with a way to be productive in the middle of March Madness. We just talked about Zion Williamson a couple of minutes ago, and obviously Duke is must-see TV. And Coming up next Thursday and Friday, you're going to have a chance to sit down on your couch starting at noon Eastern time and watch right through midnight Eastern for Thursday and Friday. Then, of course, more action Saturday and Sunday. So if you are stuck on the couch watching basketball all day long, there's a way you can also commit to your family. How? Vasectomies! Let's listen into 92.9 in Memphis as the guys discuss. I was studying about vasectomies and how this is apparently vasectomy season uh, for men, uh, particularly my age, I guess, uh, in in my early 40s or maybe younger or maybe older. I guess I didn't study the ages close enough, but uh, it it does, in fact, all the research leads to this is, in fact, 30% increases in vasectomies this time of the year. So I won't pry, but I will tell you I had friends on Twitter today tell me that, in fact, yes, they had a vasectomy this time of the year. I don't know if you have similar friends. Um, that's a great idea. And had I had more time to think about it, <laughs> that's probably what I, I would have done. But uh, now that I think about it, doing it on the Thursday of the, of the NCAA Beautiful. tournament would have been more entertaining. You missed an opportunity, Neil, and you're an opportunist. Opportunist, so I'm I'm disappointed in some respects. They call it Fortune Magazine says it's vast madness. I've I've done way too much research on this. Apparently, they wrote a whole column on this. Uh, now there's promotions around it, and Buffalo Wild Wings has a special chair with uh, a, a, a an area that is is massaging, I guess, and and helpful. <laughs> Beverages are served. Locally, the rec room has a vasectomy special they've scheduled, including Lazy Boys in a full-service bar. Um, And then my friend on Twitter, I I actually, uh, my friend Ron said he has an idea to do it on opening day of baseball. He'll do the left one this year and the right one next. I don't think you can split this up in two parts. Uh, I don't think that's how it works. No. Well, you see, this is just a win all around. So you're thinking of others, not just yourself, as you sit down and watch gobs and hours and buckets of college basketball all weekend next weekend. So remember that there's a way you too can give back to your family by doing nothing but sitting on the couch watching college basketball. That's the best in your sports talk, kind of. It's around the dial for Friday, March the 15th. We'll see you on Monday, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.